So again, we've been having an awesome time just going through the book of Revelation. We get now to chapter 17. And again, just to, to kind of catch us up where we're at in the study of the book of Revelation, we're studying the events of the last days. And, and I just, I think it's amazing first that, that the Lord would give us, you know, in detail, I mean, in, in great detail, the events of the last days, right? It's stuff that you hear in movies about, uh, you hear about in movies all the time. Hey man, the end of the world, the last days, what's going to happen at the end? Right, I mean, even movies have, have taken have taken a, a information from the Book of Revelation. They've used it to produce films and and all these things. But yet, nothing we've seen on TV or movies even compares to the actual uh, destruction and the things that are going to go on here in the last days. Right, what we know as the tribulation period. And so, in studying the tribulation period, uh, just to catch us up where we're at, the church at this point has been taken up out of the earth. Right, so it's a word that we refer to as rapture has been taken up out of the earth. God has spared the church, the believers, right? Not just one church, but I mean, when I say church, I mean the body of believers, right? That's, that's who Christ calls the, the church, is anybody who believes in Him. And so Christ has, has spared the, the body of believers from the earth, from that, from that destruction that was going to come upon the earth. And we see that now God is, is, uh, is bringing these judgments upon an, a world that has rejected Him and that has sided with Satan, with uh, the beast and with the Antichrist. And so now we're going to see that, that, uh, that Satan, you know, uh, uh, in the last days, he, he's going to raise up his own, his own false religion. Right? It's going to be the, the, the religion of the Antichrist. Uh, we're going to read about it right now in chapter 17. It's, it's referred to as uh, uh, Babylon, right? That, that religion of Babylon, that false religious system in which the whole world is going to unite in in order to serve the Antichrist. And so some heavy stuff, some uh, interesting things, some, some, some exciting things, because we see that, again, at the, at the, that at the end of it all, Christ is going to prevail. And so it's just amazing that the Lord would give us such insight, right, such detail to prepare us, to inform us, and to let us know, like, hey, and that this stuff is real. And so chapter 17, uh, really 17 and 18, it describes for us the details of the, of the Antichrist's false religious system known as Babylon. And we see that Babylon was actually a real ancient city, right? We studied it Wednesday nights when we were going through Daniel. It was, it was an actual, it was a real ancient city. It was known for its idolatry, for its power, for its cruelty, for its sin, for its carnality. And, but we see that the future false religious system of the Antichrist will also be called Babylon. Because it, it's like the mirrored image of, of, of that ancient city, only spiritual. Right, this, this 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 religious system in the in the in the tribulation period is going to be uh, defined by its carnality, its its power, by by its uh, right all these sinful things. And so we see that uh, the Revelation 17 gives us religious Babylon and her judgment by God. And then chapter 17 and 18 belong actually together. So when we look at the Bible, chapter 17 and 18 are, are like this; they go together. Chapter 17 introduces us to, to the false religious system known as Babylon. And then chapter 18 gives us the detail of its fall, right? Because it's going to fall in the next, in the next chapter. And so they, they really belong uh, uh, t together, right? And so we see that, um, that the city and the false religious system of Babylon stand in contrast to the new city and the believers mentioned later on in chapter 21. And so with that, we'll get into verse 1 of chapter 17. I'm going to read from verses 1 through 6. It says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And verse 3 says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, 
having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, and it said, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And verse 6 says, And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. And so really some, some really heavy descriptive things that, that, that John gives us here. And so we see here in, in these first few verses that we have Babylon described. And it starts off by telling us that one of the angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me or, or talking with John saying, and so we see that as John is watching the angels pour out uh, these bowls of judgment uh, on, on the earth, we were told that one stops and, and tells John, he says, hey, John, come over here. He says, come over here, and, and I'm going to show you the judgment of that great harlot. Now, that word harlot, is, it's kind of like an old-fashioned an old fashioned world. It's an, a word, it's like a, a, an old English word, right? And the word, the word harlot could be translated to prostitute. And so interesting that the Bible refers to uh, Babylon as a woman and actually as, as, a, as, a, as a woman prostitute. Right? And again, Babylon is, is, it, uh, represents this false religious system. But the Bible refers to it as, as a prostitute. And we'll, we'll see why later on. And so we see that, that, the, that the angel refers to this false religious system, uh, Babylon, as the great harlot. You know, this great prostitute. And then he gives us a list of her, of her clientele. Right? Uh, the, the kings of the earth and the inhabitants of the earth. And so, and so John giving us the description of, of Babylon as a, as a harlot, as a prostitute. He says... This false religious system is a prostitute and all these guys are, are, are her clientele. And he goes on to name them. He says, all the kings of the earth. He says, the, the, the false beast and, and everyone who dwells on the earth who has rejected Jesus Christ. Right? Heavy, heavy, heavy uh, 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 word usage. You know, the, the, the choice of words that are used here are, are heavy, right? Because it describes, again, this, this false religious system of the last days. And so we see that then it says... Uh, John saying, he says, so then the angel carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. He says, and I saw a woman. He says, sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of, of blasphemy. Right? That, that blasphemy meaning uh, uh, this blasphemy against God. And so the word writing could also be used here. Uh, uh, you know, uh, instead of a, a mountain, you know, it's, it, we could use the word uh, writing. So John sees this woman writing on the beast, right, on the scarlet beast. And so just, just, uh, just picture it, you know, as John is seeing this. He says this woman riding on this beast, right? Now, from Revelation chapter 13, we know that this beast that John is referring to is the Antichrist. And so in Revelation, when it refers to the beast, it's talking about an actual person, uh, the Antichrist, not Satan. This is the Antichrist that, that, that John is referring to. And so we're, we're looking at, John sees this woman riding on the beast, which describes the Antichrist. And so what he's really seeing is that he's seeing this false religious system riding on the back of the Antichrist or the beast. Meaning that, that somehow, you know, that, that this woman Babylon, as she's riding the beast, it means that she has some type of like, outward dominance uh, uh, over the beast or, or over the Antichrist. Right? And so we see that this false religion known as Babylon will be the one promoting the Antichrist. And so uh, the, the false religious system, system is riding on the shoulders of the Antichrist because... The Antichrist at this point is being dependent on this false religious system in order to bring them into power. Right? Keep in mind that at this point there's one world uh, religion, there's one, there's one world uh, ideology in the whole world. So this false religion is being used to promote the Antichrist. And so this false religious system is, is being used to bring everybody, the whole world who is left behind in unity, 
siding with the beast, siding with the Antichrist. And so at this point, the beast is dependent on the false religious system. And that's why the false religious system is riding on, on its shoulders. And so we see that, that as John sees this beast riding on the, uh, uh, sees the, the woman, the, the religious system riding on the shoulders of the beast, we're told that she was dressed in purple and scarlet and she was adorned with gold, with precious stones and with pearls. All this might seem strange, but really when, you, when we break it down, we see that she's, she's dressed in, in, uh, in luxurious clothing, right? When we're told that she was dressed in purple and scarlet, back in the day, this was the color of the kings, right? You wouldn't wear this color unless you were a king, unless you were in royalty. If you remember, if you remember when, when Jesus was, was about to be crucified, when, when he was there on trial, uh, and, and the Roman soldiers were making fun of him, what did they do? They're, they said, oh, you're, you're a king of the Jews? All right, we're gonna, we're gonna give you a crown if you're a king. And they made a crown of thorns, they put it on Jesus, and we're told that they put a purple robe over him, right? Uh, symbolizing the, the color of royalty. Back in the day, uh, they couldn't just go down to the t-shirt store and, and, and buy a purple shirt or buy a purple robe, right? It, 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 they didn't have the, the process of, of dyes that we have now. And so this, this, the process of, of, of making a purple dye would be very expensive. And so only the kings or only, only people of royalty, only people with money could afford this dye. And, so the, and, and that's why this dye, this, this color was specific to royalty. And so John sees this woman riding on, on the beast and this woman is clothed with, with royal clothing, right? With, with luxurious clothing. She has this purple. Uh, she she has this purple dress or this purple clothing on, right? She's got pearls. She's got uh, a, a gold chains. All these things, right? She's got all the bling. So she was dressed in all these things. So we see that she's dressed in luxurious clothing, again representative of the wealth of the religious system. You could just imagine, man. There's one. There's one big religion now, right? That we know that is really rich, right? Uh, because everyone just gives their money to it. Now. That's in competition with all kinds of other religious systems that are in place. Now imagine if, 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 this, if the whole world served one religious system. You, you would imagine how much money would be going into this, this false religious system. And, and, and that's what John is seeing. He's saying, man, there was one, one religion and it was, it was rich, right? It was wealthy. Why? Because it was extracting money from all of its followers. And so as John sees it uh, dressed up with all this luxurious clothing, we see that the whole world will be serving the Antichrist under this false one-world religious system. And really, much like any other false religion, there's going to be a heavy emphasis on money. <laughs> and, and that's one thing that, that, that a lot of false religions or false, uh, uh, false belief systems have in common is that you go into any false religious system and there's always going to be a big pressure to give money. Right? There's always going to be a big pressure, uh, uh, there's big emphasis on money. Right, and, and that's just one thing that they all have in common. Why? Because they don't see it as a, a, a as a spiritual task. They don't see it as as a calling, but they see it as a business. And unfortunately, you know, things like that have given the church, you know, a, a bad name, a bad reputation. Because now a lot of people, you bring up church, you bring up Christianity, you bring up the Bible, you bring up Jesus, and automatically we're associated with man pastors on private jets, you know, all decked out and or you know passing around the the, the money thing a few times. And it's like, man, God never meant it uh, to be that way, right? We're told in, in the New Testament that Jesus, on three occasions, he, on two or three occasions, I, I believe, he, he went to he went to the temple and he flipped over the, the guys who were, who were pretty much ripping the people off, right? There were there were religious leaders even in Jesus' day who were taking advantage of people, right, and 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 and, and wanting to get their money. And so as the people would come in to worship God, you know, they were ripping them off. They would say, hey, man. Uh, you, you can't go and dress like that, but here you go. I can sell you this brand new robe for uh, 
for you a good deal of about $150, which was a complete ripoff. Or they'll say, hey, you can't sacrifice that because it's not, you know, it's not acceptable. But you're in luck. We have a brand new, you know, model, whatever, the dove or animal that you can sacrifice to God at this price. And so they would make a business of, of ripping people off as they came to worship God. And what it would do is that it would, it would cause the people to not want to come worship God because they were getting ripped off. Right, and, 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 so, and so God obviously, you know, he frowned upon that. And so when Jesus came in and he cleansed the temple, we're told that he started flipping over all those tables, right? Flipping, up, uh, flipping over the tables of, of all the people that were taking advantage of the, of, of the people who aren't just worship God. And he would say, he would say hey, don't make my, my father's house into a business. He would say, don't make my father's house into a den of thieves, right? Into, into a den of liars. And so we see that one thing that all false religions have in common, many things, but one thing for sure is this heavy emphasis on money. The other one is a heavy emphasis on works. You have to be doing this, this, that, and the other in order to be accepted. And we see that, man, that God doesn't put that trip on people, right? God doesn't say, hey, man, you got to be giving this amount. Hey, God doesn't say, you got to do this, you got to do that. No, the Bible says that salvation comes by faith alone, in Christ alone, right? Through grace alone. That's it. There's nothing that we can add to our salvation. Anything that, 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 we, that we do for the Lord is besides the fact, is besides the point, right? I'm right here, I'm dedicating my life to study the Word of God so I can teach the Word of God to you guys, right? And, and, and I know that my reward is in heaven, right? I'm not looking for a paycheck or anything else. Hey, this is what God has called me to do, right? But even if I didn't do this, God, God is not going to love me any less. He's not going to say, all right, angel, look, you weren't obedient. You, you weren't obedient to your calling, to what I called you to do. So, you know what? You're, you're, I used to have you up here, now you're, now you're down here. No, there's nothing that we can add to God's love. There's nothing that we, that we can do to, to take away from it either, right? God is going to love you as much as He did today, tomorrow, for all eternity, as much as he, he ever has, right? There's nothing that we can add or take away from God's love. And so we see that this false religious system of, of, of the tribulation period known as Babylon, again, they're going to have this heavy emphasis on money. They're going to be super wealthy because the whole world is going to be worshiping under this, this one religious system. And so as John, as, as he continues to describe this woman that, which represents Babylon, the false religious system, he said, all right, she was decked out, had all kinds of bling. And then he says, and she had in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornications. And on her forehead written the name Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots, or like the mother of prostitutes. So this false religious system is going to be like the prostitute of all prostitutes, right? Just going out there deceiving people, right, for 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 a profit. That's what it says when it when it when it refers to her as a as a prostitute. It's like she's doing it for the profit. Why does it say mystery? And so, interesting that in the New Testament, so when we think about the word mystery, we think about like that board game Clue or who did it or right, it's like something that it's like or like the Scooby Doo crew, like they're out to solve a mystery. But really, in the New Testament, when the Bible uses the word mystery, it's, it has a completely different meaning. And so in, in, in the New Testament, the, the, the word mystery actually uh, uh, translated into just uh, an untruth, meaning a truth that has not yet been revealed. That's all. Sim simply put, when it says mystery Babylon, it just says there's, truth about, there's truths about this mystery Babylon which have not yet been revealed. That's it. Right? And so interesting that, that John Caesar with this, with this cup of gold full of, of all her abominations, all her filthiness, all her sin. Right? Interesting because the Old Testament, there in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah describes uh, uh, Babylon, the city of Babylon, actually the, the actual physical city of Babylon, in a similar way. And he says this in Jeremiah 51.7. Jeremiah speaking, he says, Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunk. The nations drank her wine, therefore the nations are deranged. 
And so we see that this, that this woman, Babylon, was dressed in luxurious clothing, yet she was nothing more than a harlot causing all the world to drink from the same cup of sin that she was involved in. That's what John is saying, right? Look good from the outside, gold cut, gold plated, diamonds, pearls, all this and that, but on the inside, filthy. Right, and really, that's descriptive of a lot of false religious systems, right? That they, it's, they present them to us as, hey, look, man, uh, it looks nice on the outside, right? But it's like when you take a sip, you see, man, it really does no good for you, right? And really, that's the way Satan uh, presents to us a lot of the, 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 the deceitfulnesses of this world, right? Drugs, this, this, that, and the other. It's like, it, it's, it comes in a, in a nice, shiny container, but the contents inside of it are destructive, are destructive and so that's that's the way John describes this false religious system right because the people are going to come to it seeking some kind of hope but yeah it's leading them to it's leading them to uh, this desperation it's leading them to to this desolation it's leading them to really to, to be deceived and to worship the beast and so John continues on by saying I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and of the martyrs of Jesus and so we see that that this woman Babylon you know she has been responsible for taking the lives of those who have trusted God, right, and not her system. She's been, she's responsible for taking the blood of the saints. Now, when the Bible refers to saints, you know, it's not what we think of as saints, you know, but, but really the Bible describes all believers as saints. The word saint in the Greek really just means set apart. And so if you've trusted in the Lord uh, Jesus Christ with all your heart for salvation, the Bible calls you a saint, right? The Bible calls you now set apart. That's all that word means, set apart. And so, John says that, that, this, that this woman Babylon is drinking the blood of all of those who she has caused to die or whom she has killed personally you know, for their faith in Jesus Christ. And, and, and it's, he's seen it literally, but it, it's, it's, it's descriptive of, of, of just this false religious system taking uh, the lives of many of those who wanted to really just really worship, worship the Lord. And so John's point is that this harlot is a mass murderer. And we see really that false religion has killed millions of believers in the past. False religion has killed millions of true believers in the past. And no wonder that the biggest false religion in the tribulation period will be no different, right? You look throughout history and, and false religion has killed many believers, right? And in the future, in the, in the tribulation period, right, this false religious system is gonna do the same thing. It's gonna kill, it's gonna kill many of true believers. And so we see that John could do nothing but just marvel. He's just, man, he's just watching this go on, right? He's just marveling. He couldn't understand it. He's just kind of just tripping out like, man, I can't believe I'm seeing all this right now, right? He, he's watching this go on. And so it goes on to say then in verse 7 or chapter 17, it says, But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. And verse 8 says, The beast that you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. And so we see that, that, that the angel makes it makes clear the mystery of the woman to John. So as John is there kind of just tripping out, like, man, what does all this mean, right? It's amazing that, that the Bible just kind of interprets itself. I don't have to come up with this crazy, I think this is what it means and this and that and drop it on. No, the Bible gives its own interpretation, right? And, 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 and I love that about the Bible because God has made it um, accessible to us, 
right? He hasn't the, the, the whole Bible. God is God is not God is not uh, obscured it from us, right? He hasn't hidden it from us, but He meant it for us to read it, to understand it, to apply it, to live by it, right? And and, and what amazes me is just how many. Uh, Man, how, how many references there is here in the New Testament to the Old Testament. I, I love that because in a time where so many churches nowadays are saying, hey, you don't, you don't need to read the Old Testament. You don't need to study the Old Testament. It's irrelevant. Why? We're New Testament believers. We believe in Jesus. You don't have to even dig into the Old Testament. No, we see that every single word of the Bible is inspired by God. That's what Paul told Timothy. He says, all scripture is God-breathed, right? And it's profitable for reproof, for correction, for doctrine, for, 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 for all these things. Why? So that the man of God or the woman of God can be perfect, complete, lacking nothing, built up. And so we see that, that, that God himself is going to give us the interpretation of that whole vision that John just saw. In case you were, you were, you were, you were questioning if I, if I was teaching the right thing, right? So we see now, now the Bible is going to give us the interpretation of it. And so we see that the seven heads... As described here, you know, we see that the seven heads are seven mountains on which the system sits upon. Seven hills or seven mountains. Right? And the seven mountains are seven kingdoms of the seven kings. And the Antichrist being the eighth king. That's all I mean. So as John has seen this, 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 this woman, right? she's riding the beast. This beast has seven heads, ten horns, and, 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 all, and, and it's sitting on seven hills. John's probably tripping like, man, what does all this mean? And so the angel gives him the interpretation. He says, hey, look, it's, it's describing future kingdoms. And he says, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the system sits upon. The seven mountains are seven future kingdoms of the seven future kings. And the Antichrist is going to be the eighth king. And then we're told, sorry, I think I jumped, I think I jumped the gun a little bit. <laughs> and so we see that, that the angel describes the beast as, a, as being the same beast from Revelation chapter 13. Right? And so it's the same beast, meaning it's the Antichrist. And so going on there in verse 9, it says, here is the mind which has wisdom. Now the angel is going to give him the description of, of, uh, of what he just saw. Verse 9 says, here is the mind which has wisdom. He says, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings which have fallen. He says, five have fallen. One is and the other is yet to come. So I make seven. And when he comes, he must continue for a short time. Then the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is and is of the seven and is going to perdition. And verse 12 says, The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom yet. He says, But they will receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. They, these are of one mind and they, they, they will give their power and authority to the beast. Verse 14 says, These will make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings and those who are with them are called, chosen and faithful. Man, heavy. I love, I love, I love how, how he ends that. He says that they will make war with the Lamb. Man, if, if it ended right there, it would be a tragic story. If it ended right there, it would be a tragic truth for us. If it ended right there, I mean, man, it would be, it would be tragic for us. But it doesn't end right there. It says that the Antichrist, this false religious system, and all the kings that follow him will make war with the Lamb. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. They're going to make war with the Lamb. But it says that the Lamb will overcome them. Not may, not will, not maybe, but it says no, He will overcome them. It says why? He says for the Lamb, for Jesus is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And not just Him, He says, and those who are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. And it's just heavy. And so as John, as he's, as he's receiving the, the interpretation of, 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 the, of the woman and the beast that he just saw, right? There's seven kings, seven mountains, seven kingdoms. 
We're told that the ten horns are ten kings who have no kingdom in the future, but but will reign with the with the Antichrist, with the beast, for a short time. And we're told that they're going to surrender their power to the Antichrist. And notice how it says there in verse 10, it says that there are seven kings. It says five have fallen, and one is, and the other has not yet come. And so keep in mind that, that at the time that John is, is, is given this vision, right? This is around, around 90 AD. At the time that, 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 that John is given this vision, uh, who's in power at the time? Uh, Rome. So Rome is in power at the time that, that, that John is receiving this vision. And so, uh, uh, and so we see that the five fallen kingdoms refer to the kingdoms of Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, the Medo-Persians, and Greece. Five of the most powerful world-governing empires that have existed up until that point. Interesting enough that, that Israel was, was, was captive under each one of those kingdoms, right? They were captive under Egypt, under Assyria, under the Medo-Persians, under uh, Babylon, and under Greece. And interesting, even under Rome, right? And so Rome was in power at the time that John was receiving this vision. And so verse 10 says again that there are seven kings, five have fallen, that's those those other world empires that, that, that have already passed. He says, one is, meaning talking about Rome, speaking about Rome, because it was in power as, as John was receiving the vision. He says, and one will come. One is, has not yet come. Speaking about the, the, the last kingdom, the kingdom of the Antichrist. Right? And he says, these kingdoms, these guys, they're going to make war with the Lamb. Now, the, this war that, that, that John is referring to is, is the war that we're going to read about in chapter 19, known as the Battle of Armageddon. Right, where, where we're going to see it all go down. We'll get there, we'll go into it when we get there. And it says, But the Lamb will overcome them, for He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And those who are with them are called, they're chosen, and they're faithful. Now, this is heavy. Because as John has seen all this go down in the future, right? This, this hasn't happened yet, it's going to happen in the future. But as John has seen all this go down in the future, he's seen that in the midst of, of this false world religious system, we see that, that Satan is promoting himself as king, right? And then we see that the ten nations that are around him, that they're helping him get to power because they want to rule with him, with him in charge, but they want to rule with them. And there's one thing that's getting in the way for them. That's the Lord and his followers. Now, we see that, that all these kingdoms later on, they're going to they're gonna join together with the ultimate goal of overthrowing the Lord, of overthrowing the Lord's kingdom. But we're told that they're going to fail miserably. Why? We're told because Jesus is King of Kings and He's Lord of Lords. I love that. Right? That assurance that the, that the Bible gives us. I love what the psalmist says there in Psalm 62, 11, where he's just praising God. And he says, God has spoken once. And he says, twice I've, I've heard this, that power belongs to God. It's a definite statement. That power belongs to God. Power over what? Over darkness, over sin, over death, over, over, over anything of this world. Right, power belongs to God. God is a creator. He created all things. Even Satan, he created Satan. He didn't create him as a as a fallen angel at first. He created him perfect, right? Perfect angel, perfect being. But he chose to rebel against God. But yet Satan doesn't have the same power as God. God is the creator of all things, right? All of them are creations. I love what, what David what King David said there in First Chronicles 29, 11. As he's praising God, he says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, yours is the power, yours is the glory, yours is the victory and the majesty. He says, For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. He says, Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. And in your hand is power and might, in your hand 
it is to make great and to give strength to all. And so no matter what things may look like, no matter what things may look like in our lives, yeah, in the future, but also in our lives right now. Dude, sometimes we feel like, like the world is getting the best of us. Sometimes we may even feel like, like the enemy of our souls, man, like Satan is getting the best of us. Right? Like we're being kicked at every corner. We turn like, man, and you're just, you feel like the world is just having, is having this control over you. It's getting the best out of you. Right? But no matter what the world may look like, God is in control. And there is absolutely nothing that man can do to change that. God is in control. He's always going to be in control. Why? Because he's God Almighty. He's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. And, and I love what John says. He says, and those who are with them, I mean, all believers, he says, are one, called, are two, chosen, and are three, faithful. Right? And so John includes us there, 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 there in that picture. You know, that's us. That's us that he's talking about. You know, that is actually anyone that has ever committed their lives to following Christ with their whole heart. Then that's speaking about you. So they are called, they are chosen, and they are faithful. Right? That's heavy. That's heavy. Right? Because if you consider yourself a believer, hey man, sometimes the world chooses us, chooses up and, and spits us out. Right? Sometimes society rejects us. But what does God say about you if you're a believer? What, is, what does God say, say about you if, if you've committed your life to him? He says, hey, he says, you're called. Right? The world may say, hey man, you have no purpose. You know, the world may say, hey man, you have no, you know, no reason for living or, or you know, you're just wandering. And the Bible says, no. God says, I've called you. Right? The world might say, hey man, you're, you're an accident. This, that, the other. You weren't even supposed to happen. God says, no. I called you and I chose you. And the world may say, hey man, <laughs> nothing good can come from you. And God says, no man. I've called you. I've chosen you. Right? And I've called you faithful. That's heavy. And so I ask myself, man, who has God called? He's called the chosen. Who has God chosen? He's chosen the called. And so who are the called? That's all of us. The Bible says that, 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 that God's desire is for none to be lost, right? But for all to come to salvation. And so God has called each and every one of us to salvation. Right? Not each and every one of us is going to come to salvation because God has given us a free will. And God is not going to, he's not going to go against our free will, right? So we see that God's sovereignty work alongside with, with, with our free will. Right? And so God has chosen us for salvation. God has already uh, placed a plan on your life, right? From the, before the, the, earth, the earth was ever formed, God knew you. He had a plan for your life, right? He's called you to salvation to come and know Him. But He's not going to force you to come and know Him. Why? We say here, we, I say from the pulpit all the time. Why? Because God is not going to force His love upon you. God is not going to force His will upon you, right? Because someone who forces their love and their will upon you is, 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 is called rape, right? When someone call, forces their will upon you, it's called rape. And God is not a rapist. Right? God is giving you a free will. He's going to pour all his love on you, but he's going to give you the, the, the decision. He's going to give you the option to choose him or to reject him. Right? And so, but the Bible tells us that, that all of us are called. And all of us are chosen. But not all of us are going to choose God. And I say that because within Christianity, there's a school of thought. You know, Reformed theology. Or I call it deformed theology. That teaches that there are only certain people who got us elected from the, and predestined from the beginning of time to come to him. Come to, to, to come to salvation. And if you're not one of those who have been elected or predestined from, from before time, then there's no way you could come and know God. And, and, and I see that that goes contrary to who God is. Right? I, I can't imagine somebody wanting to, to, to know God and coming to God and God saying, oh, you know what, let me check the books. You know what, you're not predestined. Sorry about that. Right? And, I can, and on, the, on the other side of the coin, I can't imagine somebody not wanting nothing to do with God but God saying, no, well, you have no choice because I predestined you. No, God has given us a free will and, and our free will works Side by side with God's sovereignty, right? 
And so that's what the Bible teaches. <laughs> and many of those who are, who are in that school of thought of, hey man, God is only the, only the elect, only the predestined. You know, they, 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 they fail to recognize that if they believe that God has predestined some for salvation, then that means that God has predestined some for damnation from the beginning of time. And that's not God. God has not predestined anybody for damnation. God has not created somebody just to burn the fires of hell. He hasn't. That's not God. The Bible tells us that God has chosen and predestined every single one of us for salvation, but He's given us a free will so that we could choose Him as well. He's already chosen us, but now we have to choose Him, right? And so salvation is, uh, is an open invitation to every single person. There's not one person that, 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 that is completely lost, right? And look, so it goes on to say, there in verse 15, it says, Then He said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be one of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And so we see now the destruction of this false religious system known as Babylon, right? We see that, that the beast is going to use this false religious system to promote himself. But once he's in power and once you know, he, he's got the position, uh, he will have no need for the religious system. So he's going to do away with it. And so we see that the ten nation uh, confederacy or union, they're going to, they're going to turn on, the, on their religion and they're going, to strip it, they're going to strip all the power from it. Right? And this is just so... Uh, common right as we've seen through history like many uh like many other dictators and rulers that we've seen through our history through world history they've used religion to promote themselves and gain the people's allegiance gain the people's attention gain gain the people's hearts gain the people's followings right but once they have what they needed they do away the religion man we see it today all the time right so many politicians they claim to be uh, of this faith or of that faith why because they know that the area where they're, where they're serving is pre predominantly this faith or that faith and they use it to, to deceive the people to get in power and once they're in power psh, yeah right you know they you never hear mention the religion again until something else comes up right and so we see that the false religious system of the tribulation period is going to be the same way the the antichrist the beast is going to use it to promote himself to get himself into power once he's in power he's going to do away with it right and so we see that, 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 uh, that they're all going to turn on this, on this false religion. And so we see that God has put it in their mind to do this in order to fulfill His purposes. I love that. I love that because, again, God is the one in control here. Not Satan, not the beast, not the false system, right? Not the Antichrist, not no one else. But God is the one that, that, that's in control. God, it says that God put it in their hearts to turn against, against, the, the, against Babylon, against the, the false religious system. God put it in their hearts. And so we see that God is using these wicked kings as his instruments to fulfill his purposes on earth. And the Lord will do that, man. The Lord will do that in our life. That, that he'll use the things that, that we, least, we least think have any value in our lives. And our past, maybe our bad record, maybe our, our you know, uh, uh, stuff that we went through in our lives, maybe things that we, that we battle with in, in, our, in, in our lives, trials, hardships. He'll use that, man. He'll use that to bring about his purposes in us, right? My wife is sick at home right now and I, I get bummed out all the time. Like, man, Lord, why? And then I have to remember, no, God is using this. I mean, I, I try to look at things through the lenses of God's sovereignty. Whereas when something comes up, I'm like, all right, Lord, you must know what you're doing. I have no idea what you're doing, Lord. Because if it was up to me, it would go like this. Boom, 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 bam. But God says, no, 
That's not the way I'm going to do it. Right? God has his own plan. God has his own ways of doing things. Ways that are greater than I can know. Ways that are greater than I can understand. Ways that are greater than I can even come up with. Right? And so when all else falls and, and, and you're caused to wonder and, man, Lord, what are you going to do? Why is this going on? Know that God uses those things in our lives. Right? For various different reasons. Some are to build us up. Some are to tear us down. Some are to teach us something. Some are to, to if anything, to bring us closer to Him. Because it causes us to call upon Him. And so it goes on to say, uh, I'm going to read it again. It says, it says, Then He said to me, The waters which you saw there, where the harlot sits, their people, and their multitudes, and their nations, and their tongues, and the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate, and naked, and eat her flesh, and burn her with the fire. So they're going to put her, they're going to cast her aside. And then chapter 18, verse 1, it says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried out mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great has fallen, it's fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And it goes on to say, I'm going to read the, the next few verses. It says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached the heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she has glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and I'm, not, and I'm no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. One right there, but we see, man, again, God is bringing about now the destruction of this false religious system. Later on, as we go on through the chapter, we see that God, that God is going to bring destruction upon, upon those who caused it. The dragon, Satan, and the beast, Antichrist, and the false prophet. Right? And God is going to reign. Again, if we ended right here, man, it would be tragic. If the, if the story ended right here, right? If, if, if the prophecy ended right here, it, it would be tragic for us. You know, but, but I love that the Lord gives us the whole story. And he tells us and the, the whole plan. And He tells us that... that, that uh, Keep in mind, as we're going through all this, we can think, man, this is kind of heavy stuff that we're going through. Judgment, plagues, doom, boom, bim, that's the other death. Drinking blood, man, what's this all this about? And we see that, that, that God is causing this stuff, this stuff to come upon the earth. Why? Because He's judging the earth. And if God is a good God, then He has to judge sin. He has to judge evil, right? How, I don't know how many times you guys ever cried out to the Lord or prayed, Lord, Lord, how long? Or Lord, why does this have to happen? Or Lord, why do people get away with this stuff? Or Lord, why this, that, and the other? And in our hearts, we're crying out for justice. And God has created us that way. He has created us with the knowledge of, of, of divine justice in our hearts. Why so that we could cry out and we could long for that justice? And so we see that that justice is going to come one day. Right? We'll see it in our, in our lifetime in, in little episodes of justice that God's going to you know, fulfill in us. But we're going to see the, the ultimate justice come upon the earth at the, end, at the end of the tribulation period. As God is going to judge the earth. As God is going to judge Satan who caused all these things. right? And as God is going to make all things new. Amen? So with that, I'm going to go ahead and pray.
Father God, I pray just, Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for your word, Lord, and just for the encouragement that you give us through your word. I pray, Father God, that you would, Lord, encourage us, Lord, through the study of your word, and it causes us to continue to, to, to trust in you, Lord, if we're feeling worried, Lord, if we're feeling down, or if we're feeling, Lord, like we've been beat up by the world. I pray, Father God, that you will remind us, Lord, that you will have the ultimate say, Lord, and that you will have the ultimate word, Lord, and ultimately that your justice will reign. Help us to just uh, to draw closer to you, Lord, as we just uh, dig into your word. And I pray that you would just bless us all this morning, Father. I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.